The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at schmitz.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And I'm just going to point out that Dr. Debbie looks very suntanned this I week. am a little bird, yes. Yeah, why is that? You've been uh, hanging out in the sun? Well, I'm not normally a sun worshiper anymore, but I did make a special occasion. We did a road trip for my dogs because <laughs> that's what my husband and I do. It's all about making of the course. dogs happy. Yes. Yeah. So we did a uh, dog beach excursion. Oh, really? We uh, went to a couple different beaches. We hit the Del Mar uh, dog beach and we went to Coronado Island. Oh. And had a phenomenal time. It was by day two, my dogs were like, Really? More of this? <laughs> and they're like, Look, so tired. Was this their first trip to the beach? This was their first trip. We, our former dogs, our Labradors, we had done a, a dog beach visit and they were just, they loved it. And so we wanted these dogs to experience it as well because they like to dig in sand out at Lake Mead. And we just thought that they'd really dig it. And uh, they did. It was fun. We had a good time and just fun meeting people who love dogs. And all the dogs were friendly and well behaved. I was so impressed. But it was really good. And, you know, there's, you know, for those that live in areas with beaches, there are certainly concerns that we have for their safety. And that was first and foremost on my mind, just because, you know, they're not used to the salt water. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to get salt toxicity. Oh, what's um, that? So salt toxicity is where um, a dog can ingest either too much uh, salt or not enough water. And so a dog that theoretically would either eat a ton of salt or drink a ton of salt water could have an electrolyte imbalance. That can actually be quite serious. Um, and anyone who's had dogs, you know, in the, the ocean, if they drink too much water, you know, you may see some vomiting or diarrhea, which will be the milder signs of drinking a lot of seawater. Um, but the more serious signs when we have these electrolyte imbalances can cause neurologic problems, mm. uh, weakness, uh, can require, in, in, in those situations, it requires hospitalization. It can be fatal. Um, so if we have a salt toxicity, now the other way animals get salt toxicity is that they have no access to water, like animals that are uh, outside, maybe confined outside in the snow without access to water or their water freezes, they can actually get uh, salt toxicity just from a different kind of uh, mechanism in their body. But is it okay for us to let our dogs swim in the ocean? Sure, yeah. It's just watching how much uh, your dog drinks in the ocean. You want to make sure you give them fresh water, that that's not their source of drinking water. And then also tempering their exercise. So dogs that are really exuberant and running and playing really hard and vigorously and getting themselves all worked up, um, we wanted them to have little breaks and times out, make sure that they're getting adequate water during that time so that they're not setting themselves out for a problem. Mm. I, this might be a Joey question, but do you... Should you, I guess, wash dogs or rinse them off after they're in salt water? 
Yeah, so uh, that great question because um, the salt, you know, just like for us, if you get out of salt water, you have kind of that itchiness on the skin. Um, and for some animals, it can be a bit drying as well. So, yeah, so they have little hoses at the dog park or the dog beaches. So you can actually rinse the pets off um, just so that they don't have that on them. Uh, I do have a, a, a bath. Oh, yeah, the bath is definitely, <laughs> my car was trash, definitely. Lots of sand. I think 10 pounds of sand came back. <laughs> if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five is the number. We'll go to those phones in just a couple of seconds here. Lori, what are you working on for news this hour? We're going to talk about Keanu Reeves. Is he really the cat god, God's gift to cats <laughs> that um, he's made out to be on the Internet? We'll okay. do a little investigation here. That's on the way. He's a good guy. I know he's a good guy. Yeah, let's go to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Um, North Carolina. What's going on with your animals? So I've got a seven-year-old golden retriever, and Friday morning uh, got up as normal, had his breakfast, went out back. Um, I looked out there about an hour later. He's laying in the grass next to a very large pile of um, regurgitated stomach products. And so definitely uh, the breakfast and probably the dinner from the night before, um, in addition to some grass that he'd been been chewing on and then progressively through the day, he was getting worse uh, with diarrhea that turned into bloody stools, um, throwing up, uh, just becoming completely um, out of sorts, not, not himself. So I did take him to a vet that evening. Um, she cleared some things, essentially saying he would be okay for the evening and I could take him to my vet in the morning, uh, which we did. She took blood work, found his uh, red blood cells, uh, I'm sorry, white blood cells were basically non-existent, and a few other things, and then referred us up to NC State uh, Veterinary Clinic, Emergency Clinic up there, where they, um, uh, the original uh, possible diagnosis was pancreatitis, uh, then started coming around more towards um, salmonella. Now they're okay. looking more at uh, leptospirosis, okay. which based on what he did the day before, I think is the stronger possibility because I had him out for a walk in one of our favorite places and he found himself a nice puddle and got down in there and was drinking and this is standing water. I was actually listening to your radio show, one of the things you advertise, if you want a second, third, fourth, or even a fifth opinion. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm comfortable with the care that he's getting, but absolutely, uh, if there are any other ideas. Sure. Doctor, what's leptospirosis? Okay, yeah, so we've got a lot of interesting things that could be possibilities here. So leptospirosis is a bacterial disease. And it's um, one that can have a whole host of different problems in a pet. So it can cause problems with the liver, with the kidneys, with the digestive tract. Leptospirosis is um, some parts of the country don't vaccinate it, like in the dry areas, like where I live in Las Vegas, um, because leptospirosis is more common in areas where there's moisture or sitting water, um, or even areas that maybe get a seasonal heavy rainfall or a flood. We worry about leptospirosis. Um, so the, the interesting thing is the incubation period for lepto is about a week. 
So, you know, an acute onset may not generally, you know, if it just happened at that time. Now, if he still had access to that same environment within seven days prior, yeah, you know, that's certainly a possibility because, you know, in that part of the country, um, leptospirosis is definitely on our radar. The other thing with that infection that's important to know is that areas where we may have uh, rodents, um, you know, like, you know, mice, rats outside, um, they are one of the little wildlife uh, carriers of this disease. So um, that's another uh, potential kind of exposure or risk factor. So if, uh, you say, a dog is outdoor and has exposure to um, rodent urine, um, then, then certainly that could be a way that they can acquire that as well. So, um, you know, with the low white cell count, if it was significantly low, then yeah. So I, it sounds like they're looking for things that would cause uh, sepsis. And salmonella, uh, which is another bacteria, um, would certainly be one of the things we'd consider. It's a little harder to prove. It's hard to culture for that. Um, so, you know, we'll often look for, with salmonella, um, a normal, healthy adult dog um they're pretty resistant. They don't typically easily get salmonella. It's usually in young dogs um, or immunosuppressed dogs, other pets that have some kind of other problem going on. Because we know that if I took a bunch of healthy dogs and kind of swabbed their butts, you know, we might get uh, salmonella to grow out of their stool in maybe 2% of the time. Um, a dog with diarrhea, we could swab them and maybe 4% of the time we'll get salmonella. It doesn't always mean that that's the agent that can cause the disease. So we usually kind of diagnose it based more on potential exposure, feeding raw diets, being immunosuppressed. Um, those kind of things would be the kind of more likely causative factors for salmonella. So yeah, your situation is a, a bit tricky. So I say the things, if they are truly worried about leptospirosis, there are some, um, lab tests, some specific uh, serology tests they can do to test for that. Um, They're probably already treating with antibiotics in the IV, um, and that's kind of a good way to cover your bases against salmonella or leptospirosis um, all kind of across the board there. Um, So how how is your doggy doing right now? I'm assuming, are we still in the hospital right now? Yes. Uh, They say he's doing better. He's eating. uh, He's not as lethargic. He's happy to see them, the tail wags, and he gets up when they come in, but they have him isolated because of the potential for uh, infecting other other dogs. So um, they're trying to get a stool sample, I think, to help confirm the uh, leptospirosis, but he will not go to the bathroom indoors. He will hold it for, for days um, <laughs> because that, that's him. Uh, so I said you're either going to have to let him outside or you're going to have to go in and scoop it out um, because he's not going to go unless he absolutely can't hold it. Yeah, yeah. Well, sounds like, like you said, it sounds like they are definitely hitting on all the, the cylinders here to, to treat him effectively. And truly, in some situation, this is so hard as a, as a veterinarian to, to lay this news out to people. Sometimes we don't know what triggers these kind of things. Unless we can pick up some really good clues from the history or something on the lab work that helps to definitively diagnose it, we have to often treat supportively, you know, antibiotics, IV, fluids, um, anti-vomiting medicines, anti-diarrheals, and then recheck um, to make sure that white count comes back to a normal zone and that, uh, you know, those pancreas values stay in the normal zone. Yeah, his, his habits, he's um, he typically walk off leash in the country, and, and he's a big fan of deer and cat poop. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, My dogs love it, too. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, we have a, a, an iron kettle in the back, and that seems to be his favorite water. Uh, the pool is his second favorite water, and the nice clean water in his drinking dishes is least favorite. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah, I'm, I feel for you. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Well, Josh, we wish you the best with that. Keep us posted on how it goes. It sounds like you're heading down the right track right now. Uh, Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 for a first, second, third, fourth, or fifth opinion with Dr. Debbie right now. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance, providing nose-to-tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat. It can be customized to fit your budget and needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. For more information, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a quote. And thanks, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted, natural, meaty bones. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Okay, we're going to head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. The number is 1-866-405-8405. Dial carefully. It is a 866 number. one 405 8405 And on the other end of that is Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani. And we're just a little over an hour away from talking to Tom Stevens. He is the inventor and founder or co-founder of TomBot, which is the robot puppy that you talked about in your news what uh, a few weeks ago. The really lifelike one? Yeah. And I thought this was like a crazy idea because who can attach themselves to a robot puppy? But apparently this is very useful, especially in the world of uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah, caring for elderly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just around the corner. He'll explain his invention. What are you working on? Well, there is a pet census that is coming to the United States. Um, just like, yeah, we have, you know, the human, the 2020 census. Um, this is going to be the pet census. So what you can expect from that. And would you kiss your dog's face or your male friend's beard? Neither. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Can we just take like five calls at once? It doesn't no, work that let's way. do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. it. <laughs> hey, Belinda, how can we help you? I was calling because of my uh, grand puppy. Uh, she, um, it's, it's her name is Dixie, and she's 12 years old, and she's a Jack Russell, and she has a fatty tumor on her, and okay. it's quite large. And they took her to the vet, and they said it's just a fatty tumor, but now it's starting to cause arthritis and all that in her. Mm, okay. So it's large. I, I was, it's large enough that it's get, getting trouble for her to get around because of the tumor. Yeah, it's starting to. Yeah. Okay. And I was just wondering if, um, because my, like I said, they're it's my daughter and her husband, and they're in their early twenties, so they they can't afford the surgery. 
You know, mm, they okay. said it's going to be like $800. So I didn't know if you knew of any organizations or anything that could help out with this. There's, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, where, um, where are they located at? Michigan. In Michigan. Okay. Well, yeah. not in my area. But, um, you know, potentially uh, th- there are definitely a lot of different resources for folks that um, need some assistance. And, and a lot of it takes some um, creativity and just motivation to really track down these resources. And I, I can tell you one of the, the best resources that I direct folks to is to go to some of the different national pet websites, such as the Humane Society. And, and there's a lot of um, kind of catalogs of different um, charities um, where you can um, apply for financial aid, um, especially if it's something finite where um, there's something that needs to be done. Once the surgery is done and the pet is done and over with and it's corrected, um, I can tell you at my office we had a very good experience with an organization called In the Memory of Magic. Um, It's abbreviated I-M-O-M. And it's a a financial resource for folks in need. You have to prove... um, um, you know that um, you you need the financial assistance through other means, um, mm-hmm. and it has to fit some certain criteria. So, um, for example, the pet we had um, was a pet that needed its eye removed because of glaucoma, and uh, they worked with the pet owner. The pet owner had to raise some funds on their own, but then they helped to match that, and um, so that was a great experience, and it really helped our client out quite a bit. Um, but there are other organizations beyond that, um, as far as Red Rover is one that I have heard of. Um, And even within the veterinary hospital setting, um, uh, we offer at my office a service called Care Credit, which is a basically a credit service that's utilized in veterinary offices and human dental offices and uh, orth- orthopedic things, things like that as well. And it, you apply for that, and as long as you get the credit, you can have some pretty generous terms to pay that off down the road. Um, but um, there, there definitely are ways to find help, um, and even sometimes working within some breed uh, rescue groups and show groups um, may even have some different um, things. And I'm not terribly familiar in the Michigan area, but there may be even some resources within the breed um, that you might uh, make some networking along those lines. Um, and I'm glad it is, you know, a lipoma. Those generally are benign, um, and that's the good news here. And uh, I can tell you my own Labradors have um, oodles of fatty tumors, and as long as we're sampling and checking to make sure that they're not progressing, um, it isn't typically a, a really critical situation. So I honestly, I don't know all the details of, of your baby's um, situation, right. but some of these very large ones can be cumbersome and really be become like footballs that they're carrying around on their body. So Yeah, um, that, can... that's the size that it's gotten. It's gotten quite, quite large. I mean, it's bigger than my hand, you know, so mm-hmm. that's why we, I mean, we've slowly seen it grow and grow, and but now it's just, like I said, I think it's becoming cumbersome to her. So right. that's why we went ahead and took her back in, and that's what they told us, and yeah, we're doing fundraisers. We're selling pizzas and everything to try to raise money. So <laughs> good, good, and, and you know, a lot of the organizations—that's what they look for. And and if you're showing that you're making an effort, and um, you know, and if you have you know definitely valid financial need, um, there are some help uh, helpful groups out there. So um, you know, I would definitely encourage her to kind of check some of those things out on the uh, Humane Society page. Um, and IMOM is a great one to look at as well. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, well, good luck with things. Thank you for your call. one 405 8405 We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. 
This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Kensington Books, inspired by true stories of cats who've been caught stealing from humans. Yeah, you heard me right. It's The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz, and it's a hilarious, heartwarming novel of an adorable klepto kitty with a passion for thievery and a sideline in helping the humans in his life find the love they deserve. It's The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz. It's available everywhere books are sold, and you can learn more at kensingtonbooks.com. And thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with MacGyver, the matchmaking klepto kitty in The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz. Hilarious and heartwarming, this pawsome romantic comedy will have you laughing out loud as Mac, the thieving tabby, steals your heart. The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Um, Some people are kind of funny about you know, not kissing a dog. But if you won't kiss your dog, but you have somebody else in your life who has a beard that you kiss, you need to rethink that thing, okay? Um, (laughs) A new study finds that men with beards carry more germs in those beards than dogs do on their fur. Oh, Oh, I can't do it. I knew it. I can't look at a guy with a beard ever again. I'm shaving. Swiss researchers did this. They tested the facial hair of men and dog fur from several different breeds, and they found a significantly, not just a little bit, but a significantly higher bacterial load in the men's beards compared with the you know, being on the dog's fur. And, well, some of the men, they say, also tested positive for microbes that actually posed a threat to human health. So just like a dog, experts say men should shampoo their beards regularly. Joey, you're a groomer. You probably have a lot to say on this. You know, I have to be honest with you. I've never grown a beard. I've never grown a mustache. Not because I I really didn't want to see it, just I can't deal with it after day one or two. But um, I used to always say that I, I say that to to exes, and when when, when she look at a guy and says, I said, yeah, but can you imagine how much bacteria that beard is harboring? Oh, yeah. so, and more than a dog that licks its butt and then cleans itself. What does that say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but don't guys mm-hmm. wash their beards when they wash their hair when they shower? Well, I would hope so. I do. Oh. I don't know. Okay, I, not a fan. Enjoy not your breakfast. <laughs> Now, in addition to being a movie star, Keanu Reeves has a, a reputation for being just a sterling, you know, nice guy. And in fact, the Internet is, is full of stories celebrating a lot of his acts of kindness. But I can't believe I just said that because you really can't believe much of what you read on the Internet, right? <laughs> so that's not to say that Keanu isn't a nice guy, but stories are also made up about him in excess. So, for example, earlier this month, there was a Facebook page called um, Love Gato, which means love cats, claimed that Keanu had saved all of these cats. And, and in the picture was probably at least 30 cats, so dozens of cats, saying that he had saved them all from euthanasia. And the post included this photoshopped image that showed Keanu with uh, dozens of all of these cats that supposedly um, he had them living in a special home that he had bought just for them. 
I'm sorry to tell you, cat lovers and everybody, because it, it it's a nice thought, but unfortunately, it is the same photoshopped image of Keanu Reeves that has circulated on the internet for the last several years. Oh. And checks with him say that's not true. He does love cats, though, but oh. not. Oh boy, who would? Yeah. Do He's not a hal. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Thank you. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. How are you all today? You're doing good. What's going on? I got a question for Dr. Debbie about my six-year-old male golden doodle. Oh, uh, okay. What's that? I I was just going, oh. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good boy. I love him. Um, You know, and what I really want is, I don't want to second-guess my vet diagnosis, but I want to question his pain level. It's a question I forgot to ask. The vet, he, he's recently come up uh, intermittently lame in his uh, left hind, and uh, we sedated him and did some radiological, you know, stuff. And he, his hip looks good. There's no signs of any bone cancers or growths or tumors, and and uh, no movement in his hips, no drawer signs in his knee. Uh, there's no signs of of an arthritic condition, but she diagnosed. Uh, acute arthritis, but his pain level is, it seems severe to me. Can can the onset of arthritis cause, I mean, real severe pain in these guys? Okay. I'm going to back up here a little bit. Now, you said on the x-rays they did not see any changes, but when we diagnose arthritis, generally off of an x-ray there's some changes where we go, ooh, look at all those little knobby things on the bones or on the joints, and, and that's a sign that it's kind of been a chronic osteoarthritis condition. Now, did they see anything like that? No. She's seen no abnormalities, but she said it, it, it could be the beginnings of. Okay. And it just didn't sound right to me. I, and and if there's no drawer sign, I, I guess, if so there's no ACL rupture or anything like that, could there be other issues going on in his knees or hips that, that I should maybe go get a second opinion on? Uh, definitely. I, I mean, it's quite possible. And when we're talking about, just so I can explain for everyone else, um, drawer sign is a common uh, kind of a test, a physical movement that veterinarians will do in a, generally a sedated pet. Um, and we wiggle the knee and we basically test for instability in the ligaments there. And one of the major support ligaments in the knee, called the cruciate ligament, um, when that's damaged or torn completely, um, there's some movement. It's kind of like a drawer that's kind of opening. So if they didn't see that, it's possible we could have, you know, some maybe partial cruciate injuries that could cause a lot of knee pain and lameness and not show any kind of signs on x-rays or on that physical exam. Um, as far as arthritis, I'd usually reserve that diagnosis to when we have chronic changes and where we can see radiographic evidence that there's uh, some changes in the joints. So I might back up and say, ah, we have an acute strain or sprain, um, or maybe we have something else going on, and that's very possible. Um, as far as the physical exam, I think in this point would probably be the biggest thing that I would fall back on and where their suspicions might lie, whether that's in the knee, the hip, or, or what have you. 
Now, did they put your baby on any medications of any sort? Yeah, some some Remedil, and she said that she wants to use it when the pain starts to flare up. I've had him on glucosamine chondroitin for about a year, um, just as a preventative, and it does show up when he is when he does get very active, and sometimes uh-huh. it comes goes in a day, but it's coming on more often now, and the okay. pain's lasting longer. If that makes any sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess I'm going to be a little wishy-washy because I would like to say that, you know, the physical tests support what you're seeing at home. And if it doesn't all fit, that, then I don't want to say your vet's wrong. But, you know, I would definitely want to make sure that uh, the signs of what you're seeing agree with what they're seeing and describing in the in the physical exam. And if not, now the other thing is um, a lot of times um, my father's even guilty of this. Anti-inflammatories in many cases work best when we do use them for a consistent period of time. So you can do that hit or treatment, but if we're having uh, especially more established discomfort or lameness, it's better to use that for, of course, a period of time consistently, and you'll get better response with um, the inflammation as well as with the pet's comfort um, than just that once in a blue moon kind of thing. Um, but if, if that therapy is not working, gosh, there's some other things you can look at getting into. Um, you know, if we have definite osteoarthritis, chronic changes, um, there are many foods that have glucosamine enhanced in there. Um, there's a product uh, called Adequan, which is an injectable formula that can be very nice in helping pets with arthritic pain. Um, but usually arthritis is kind of that achiness, that slowness to get up, that I've overdone it and, oh, I'm just having a rough time. If we have more acute pain, um, really more intense, then I really want to go back to that physical exam and look again. Okay, yeah, because the, the, the pain just seems too intense to me to be the beginnings of arthritis because when it gets really bad, he won't even put any weight on it. He'll hobble completely and hold mm-hmm. his leg up. Yeah, and how long ago were those x-rays? Um, three, four days ago. Oh, real recently. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. And, this- and the Remedil's starting to work. Uh, I'm an over-the-road truck driver, so I've, I've seen him go through this pain, but my wife tells me that, you know, he, he is kind of hobbling around a little bit now, and he's he's feeling a little bit better, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see the little guy in pain. Right. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, it's worse watching your pet in pain than going through it yourself, <laughs> and I think anyone who listens to the show would agree with that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I know not to overdo it, but there's no way to tell him not to overdo it. He's a really active guy, and, and he wants to jump down the stairs and chase rabbits in the backyard and just go crazy, oh. and, you know, he, he doesn't quite get the fact that it, it, it kind of, He's getting a little older, and it's starting to affect him. Absolutely, yeah. So if I could get my word out to him and tell him to behave and be quiet while you're rehabilitating, <laughs> then, then, then we'll go a long way there. But, yeah, I feel your, feel your difficulty with that. That's tough to get him to quiet down. But, yeah, if that's persisting, then I would certainly take another look there and seek. And especially if we are worried about maybe a partial cruciate that's thinking of doing something more significant down the road. So hope all turns out well there, and your, your uh, lovely golden doodle uh, is, doing well so have a great one this is dr debbie with animal radio we're at 1-866-405-8405 well this portion of animal radio is underwritten in part by schmidt's naturals smells seriously amazing and support animal conservation with schmidt's special edition lily of the valley natural deodorant it's created in collaboration with the jane goodall institute and five percent of each purchase supports animals in the wild it's available now at Whole Foods Markets at Schmitz.com. And thank you, Schmitz, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Naba from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Animal Radio. Don't forget, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone or Android. Ask your questions directly from the phone, as well as listen to past shows. The application has been updated. It's really cool. It's a free download. And we head across the country to Violet. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? We are calling from uh, California. Oh, very good. Is, is that Who's that in the background? Huh? <laughs> Who's that in the background? Uh, that's Vegas. He came from Las Vegas, and now awesome. he's in here for daycare today. Oh, okay. So what? I have a daycare exclusive playground. So what's going on with your animal? I have Dr. Okay. Debbie right here. I Someone dropped off this little chihuahua, and um, I've raised him now. And uh, he's got a lot of little spots. Like, you know, they, I took him to get fixed, and he says he has an allergy. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they fixed them, but they didn't say what kind of allergy because then they would have to do a skin thing. So I started okay. giving him some kind of flex dog, which is a three fatty acid in the immune system. I'm seeing a little bit difference, but I don't know if that's what I could do for like doing his, um, I do the tea tree, but that's not working. So maybe okay. a different type of shampoo. Okay. Or... Tell me a little bit more about this guy. How old is he? He's only five months old. Five-month-old, little chihuihui, and what what do these um, areas look like on his body? Little, just like spots of red. Okay. And, and is there and hair it's, loss it's, in the areas? It's, it's just pink, and then it's just, he's got hair on there. So, okay. I mean, I don't know if there's a special shampoo should I do or... Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that allergies definitely can happen in young dogs. But the, the truth of the matter is that seasonal allergies, inhalant allergies, are not going to be present in a doggy this young. So things that are pollens, um, you know, things that are blooming outside, it takes a well over a year and a half of exposure to those environmental allergens for a pet to develop an allergy. So um, we can almost kind of just ignore that whole possibility. Okay. But we can sometimes see food allergies in young dogs. Sometimes I've, the youngest I've diagnosed it has been a six-month-old puppy. Um, but typically those pets will tend to be quite itchy. Um, you know, we have some pretty typical signs with that. In a chihuahua puppy, oh golly, at five months old, I will tell you. Yeah, I understand he's uh, high maintenance. <laughs> yeah. The first thing I honestly would have this boy um, evaluated for is to check him for mites. Um, demodectic mites, or what they call the red mange, is quite common. When I took them in and then they fixed them. So they said just to do the cortisone, but... Well, and if it, did it help? 
Um, it does help, yeah, but every time I take him over to the my mom's yard, it's it's I think he's allergic to the grass. Cuz okay. when he comes back, he's all red again. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, going with the odds in a young pup of his age, um, even if we don't see mites on the first sampling, sometimes it does take multiple samplings. So I would just want to make sure we exhaust that. And now this is something your vet can't do just by looking. They actually have to take some skin samples. They have to do that skin scraping, as we call it. So if that's been done, then I'll feel more comfortable about that. But, you know, okay, so say say that test is negative for your little guy. Um, Yes, there are definitely going to be some things we're going to look at doing. And we might start with some of those um, colloidal oatmeal shampoos, which can be very soothing for the skin. Um, And then I would address going into um, a hypoallergenic diet. I'm not really familiar with some of the brand that you mentioned. Yeah. But no to get grain, into, no nothing. yeah, and you know, grain isn't always the, the big problem. It's kind of a, a big fad in the human world with nutrition. But actually, some research studies actually have shown that some of the most common allergens in foods for dogs are things like beef, which is over 30% of the most common allergens in dogs. Dairy and wheat are followed after that. And actually, you know, corn is pretty low on the list. It's lower down. So um, things when we talk about grains, yeah, it could be a grain problem, but but in many cases, it could be a chicken, a beef, um, all those other ingredients. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So you would, um, I'd say, pick up that phone, talk to that vet, and say, what food would you recommend? In my office, if I'm treating a food allergy, I like to go to something in a young dog like a novel protein diet. Maybe it's going to be something that's just got two ingredients. It's going to have a carbohydrate, and it's going to have a protein. My own dog is on a rabbit-based diet. Um, some dogs thrive really well on a fish-based diet. Um, so you... I'm sorry? Let me look in the freezer because and, and, and it has gotten better. It's just... Um, yeah, and, and and the thing I'll tell you is with with hypoallergenic diets, you know, you, it's it's a little bit trickier than just looking on the label and saying is this food have that ingredient or not? Because for hypoallergenic diets, the ideal way to to do this is to manage it with very limited ingredients and to make sure that we're using things that are new and novel to the pet's experiences. So, um, you know, I, I personally, as a veterinarian, I like to have some um, recommendations that I would throw your way. Um, so chat with that veterinarian and make sure that we didn't have mites. And then, then we can talk about a little bit more about these diets. And fatty acids are great. I like that you mentioned the diet with fatty acids. But, you know, I prefer to bring them in in a, a supplement form. So bring it in in a pill. Bring it in in a liquid. Add that in so that we can control the dose and the amount. And we know that it's going to be beneficial for your little guy. Mm. So... Violet, I I commend you. You've got your hands full with that whole crew of doggy daycare. And uh, bless that little guy's heart, and I'm sure you're going to get him on the mend here soon. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question for the Dream Team, give us a call. We're waiting here at 1-866-405-8405. Uh, don't forget, you can get Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terrier Shih Tzus, Pugs and Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend over at Amazon as an electronic book. We have links at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at one 405 This is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. (laughs) 
Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind. And they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio. Featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Yeah, this is the show where we celebrate the connection with your pets, and we'd love to hear from you. If it's a question for Dr. Debbie, a medical question, or a grooming question for Joey Volani, the dog father, now's the time to call. Judy will get you in queue at one 405 8405 And before the end of the show, we're going to talk to Tom Stevens. He is the CEO of a company that makes robot puppies. And I know that may sound very strange, <laughs> and it's nothing new. There's been robot puppies out yeah. for a while. Years, yeah. But I got to tell you, I'm looking at a picture of one right now, and this, I'll tell you, this little dog looks very lifelike. Wow. And you're probably saying, why would you want that? Well, for a toy for your kids, maybe, but there's actually a more important reason. And if you know somebody or are family members of somebody who has dementia or Alzheimer's, you're going to want to be listening up because... That's what this dog was designed for. Yeah, or if they're just lonely, if they're in an apartment or something and they can't have an animal, this gives them a companion. There's so many reasons. And I mocked it a few weeks ago when you did the story, Lori, but now I'm seeing the light. There is a reason for a robotic puppy, and we'll find out more about it. What do you have for us this hour, Lori? Well, you know the reason that it's okay that that you mocked it. It's because you didn't know. So education is key. Yes. You know, nope. I'm I'm happy. Um, Coming up. There is a, a national holiday for cats. Well, kind of cat-related people. <laughs> and <laughs> We'll explain, but this could be, for half of you, this could be a very important day. For half of us. Okay, that is on the way in just a few minutes. You know what? When you do a tease, you do a tease. You really roll out the tease. I'm salivating for that. Okay, let's go to the phones. Hey, Lisa. Hello, how are you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from? California, Montebello, California. Montebello, okay. Well, you're on with the good doctor here, Dr. Debbie. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing super. What kind of pet question do you have here today? I have a Cocker um, Terrier. Okay. uh, He's about 14. 14 years, he'll be 15. Okay, he's a senior fella then, huh? Yes, he is. He's a senior. And um, I was just... Curious because okay he already lost his eyesight in one eye, and then uh, he has um, a cataract in the other eye. You think okay. it's a good idea if I operate him? Um, well, I mean he is a bit up there in the years. Did these cataracts come on all of a sudden, or were they gradually? I guess gradually, but you know the doctor never told me the vet when when I when I took him. I said, well, it looks like if he has a a cataract starting in this eye, and uh, mm-hmm. He says, uh, does he bump himself in places or whatever? I go, yes, he does at times. And so I just, he never told me to go to a specialist or nothing. And and then when I mm-hmm. took him, it was already too late because the, the specialist, uh, 
she told me that, you know, that is, I was already scratching all that, and, you know, she could really not do much, just give me some eye drops and some ointment, and that was it. So now yeah. I see his eye, now I see his eyes getting, well, it's getting white already. Is okay. that bad? Does, does it get smelly? Because I don't have no sense of smell, so I really don't well, know. It kind of depends on what we're talking about getting white um, as far as because dogs can have cataracts, which are a whitening of the lens inside the eye, but they can also have a white change on the outer surface of the eye, the cornea. Um, and we can see that um, as well, especially in cocker spaniels. They can get some corneal disease as they get older. Um, so, you know, I guess it's hard for me to say in that situation, if unless our eyeballs can go up to the, the telephone and, and we could kind of uh, gauge things a little closer. But I would say that cataracts, yes, in an older pet, they can be addressed surgically. Um, but it is a decision that I really kind of look at the pet's overall health and also how they've coped with their vision loss. Um, if your pet was a eight-year-old dog, I would not hesitate to recommend the surgery because it's wonderful for restoring vision um, and it really can restore a lot of activity to a pet's life. At 14, I think we have to kind of really look at um, our overall longevity and his overall health right now um, because we know that Cocker Spaniels, the life expectancy, you're kind of getting up there. So before we put him through a major surgery like that, um, I would just want to make sure that he's in good health and that's really in his best interest. Um, and also, if the ophthalmologist looked at the eye and said there's no point in doing the surgery because the eye is non-visual, then there's no point in doing that. So um, that was uh, that was the left eye, and uh -huh. now, now uh, the other, the right eye is the one that I see, you know, it's getting white. Oh, okay. Yeah, and if that's a recent change, then I would definitely have it at least checked out. Um, you know, if your veterinarian's not quite sure and can't tell what's going on, because sometimes it's a um, a lot harder to see in through these eyes that are very hazy, then you might have to set up that visit with the ophthalmologist where they can use their special um, instruments to look further back into the eye to see if, you know, if it's worth, um, worth the possibility. But I'd have to say, you know, 14 years of age, um, I would probably be focusing on making sure he's comfortable in those eyes, um, maybe rather than going for a full gun surgery to, to take cataracts out. Um, because sometimes cataracts can release proteins in the eyes that can cause pain and inflammation. And we may want to at least address that and try to make sure we're keeping his eyes comfortable and, uh, you know, maybe really think hard and long about that surgery. Because um, I'm just not a complete fan at your baby's age to do that. Oh, okay, it's too old. Too old. It's too old for for that kind of surgery. Well, potentially, I, you know, it's not so much that he's too old. I'm going to say that you know, it just really, do you want to put your great great grandfather through a heart bypass surgery when he's 95 years of age? Um, oh, you know, yeah. I want to just keep things realistic to what we're going to gain from that. And I don't know that you're going to gain a lot more good vision time with a baby who's already at 14. But I would still say, go see and have that eye evaluated. I, I still think it's very important to make sure we treat for ongoing problems in there. Thanks for your call, Lisa. 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Where are you calling from? Hey, uh, well, I'm from South Dakota. What's going on? Well, we got our little girl, Joey. She's uh, She'll be seven years Joey? old in a couple of months. And uh, she's a long-haired gray. Kind of... Okay, a kitty. Pardon? Oh, I just wondered what kind of critter she was. <laughs> she's a kitty yeah, cat. Yeah, uh, long-haired gray domestic. And uh, lately she's been, you know, fur balls come up once in a while. But lately she's not chewing her food up. We've got her on the... Purina Indoor Formula, she's an indoor cat, and uh, 
Jill's comes out of good health with all her checkups and everything, but she's not chewing it up. It's, it's shaped like little M&Ms, and, and they'll come out whole, you know. And mm, we're, okay. and we're wondering what, what we can feed her, switch her to. Is she? You said she's been checked out by the veterinarian. Did they? Did she go to the vet recently? Uh, yeah, for her annual checkup. Okay, because for me, when I hear that Kitty is kind of vomiting up the food, um, the first thing is she's eating it, but she's just not really chewing it. She's just swallowing it as it is, right? Right. Okay. Right. So now there are di- some different shape distinctions cats have, and uh, food manufacturers for dries, you know, they try to figure out the right shape that is most appealing. The truth is that some cats don't really chew all the shapes the same, and some will just really gulp it. And this is why some cats with no teeth can effectively eat dry food, um, because they don't always really spend a lot of time uh, masticating it, if you will. Um, sure. But if your kitty is vomiting, I'd say, you know, this diet may not be a bad diet, but it certainly would be something I would consider changing. Um, and um, first of all, I guess the, the first thing I always start with with a kitty that's vomiting a food is, you know, it's reasonable to try a diet change, sometimes going towards more of a hypoallergenic variety um, rather than just saying I'm going to brand B, C, or D down, you know, the grocery aisle. So with that, you know, I would see your veterinarian, make sure we have a good checkup. We might want to get some basic tests done because in some cases vomiting is really more than just about diet problems. It can be about something else kind of going on inside. Um, so I wouldn't want to miss something of that magnitude and that importance. Um, so that would be my little commercial to, to, to see your vet and, and have more done than just that physical exam because as good as we are, we can't always tell everything by the looking um and so we do have to rely on those uh, clues those tests if you will um but the the other part of your question is what can you feed you know and there's an actually a whole new thought in cat nutrition that's really going out there and this is totally different than what we learned you know 10 20 years ago in vet school I'm not really that old. I'm just saying, people. (laughs) But um, the new mentality with cat nutrition is that we're actually looking at canned food as a good thing for a couple reasons. Um, We know that uh, it gives cats more opportunity to drink and take in more fluid. Um, And most times, you know, too many of the dry foods are really high in carbohydrates, and we really want a more protein-rich food with a lower carbohydrate content. And that sometimes the canned foods really fits that really well. And sometimes things like fiber really aren't going to be all that helpful, um, especially if we're having a constipation-type problem in some kitties. So while the hairball formula sounds like a great idea, I think I would probably consider even going to a can variety, something that has lower fiber, higher in protein, lower in carbohydrates, and gives your kitty a more opportunity to drink and see how that goes. Um, but really, I would, I would definitely, if I had your baby here in front of me, I'd probably poke her with a needle, draw some blood, and maybe shoot an x-ray of her belly, making sure there's nothing really awry that shows up on there. Um, so how's that for like a whole prescription there, Mark? <laughs> Perfect. I got it all scribbled down, and uh, I'll take off, uh, you know, go from there. We were kind of thinking maybe a, a canned food would be a better way to go, so... Yeah, and you know, it is really interesting. The shape is such a big deal, and there's a lot of research these dry food companies do on that, but I've had uh, cats and ferrets even, that the size or the shape of the food can be really what sells it to them or what doesn't. Um, So sometimes, you know, size and shape does matter. (laughs) Thank you so much for your call, Mark. 
Well, this scrumptious and delicious serving of animal radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Bar Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The 2019 Honda Passport is in dealerships filling out Honda's SUV lineup. The Passport is designed for adventure seekers with its available IVTM4 torque vectoring all-wheel drive system and its 280 horsepower 3.5 liter IVTEC V6. The SUV is also available with a wide array of genuine Honda accessories including the adventure package and urban package. To find your new car, go to ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hi everybody, this is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say... Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. A couple of weeks ago, Lori did a story about robot dogs, and I scoffed at it at the time. And, uh, boy, there's egg on my face now. Apparently, these are very, very useful little, um, what should I say, robots, I guess. Electronic robots. Dogs, essentially, for people that suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's. And in just a few minutes, the inventor, Tom Stevens, will be joining us. And we're going to go to the phones right after we do a check of uh, what's coming up in the news. And what are you working on for this hour? Clean meat. Have you ever heard of that, the term? I have. I haven't. It was brand new to me. So, Petri dish, Dr. Debbie, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. didn't hear what Dr. Debbie said. We're going to be talking about clean meat and, and how it will be introduced into pets' lives very soon. That's on the way. And let's go to line two. Hey, Charles. Hey, how's it going? Good. You're up to bat. What's going on? Um, well, um, look. Uh, Last week, uh, uh, last Saturday, my six-and-a-half-year-old Mastiff, I came back from an overnight stay, and uh, he was uh, in the backyard, uh, the big fence-in yard, all jumping around, happy to see me. I let him out, and he does his usual run out and run around a little bit. And then uh, uh, all of a sudden, his uh, back legs kind of gave out a little bit, and uh, his hair came back up on his on his back, and, and his front legs got kind of fussy or, or kind of give away a little bit. Then he laid down right in front of me and ran to me as as he could. Ran to me and within a minute he was freaking dead. Holy cow! And uh, I, I he's six and a half years old and uh, I, I didn't feed him very many table scraps from the from the and I was just wondering what what could have possibly happened. If what do you think, Doctor Debbie? Well, you know, I, I'm so sorry to hear that news. That's I mean, tragic in any situation, but so suddenly. Now, has he was he showing any problems prior to this? Anything going on? Not eating? Any health issues at all? Um, 
throughout his life, twice he had uh, his uh, balls would swell up, um, and he had to get uh, some antibiotics to get him fixed. Uh, or, okay. or to, and, and I don't know what the, the, the problem was with that, but what happened was uh, about eight months ago I had him fixed because I, I was afraid it might happen to him again. He, he, got, he gained a little weight, and then um, he started losing a little weight, but he, he, he had white hair. His black face started to turn white like an older dog, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know, you know. Um, I just, okay. It just got me in. Um, but the lifespan of a Mastiff, I, I read some places in the, on the Internet where six to eight or ten, I don't know. And uh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what I did wrong or what do you think happened to my dog? Well, I mean, it, it, it may be all speculation as far as what I might say, but in a in a dog of that age, in a giant breed dog, that is a actually a full lifespan. Um, six to eight, I'd say, is typical. I occasionally see some giant breeds ten and older, um, but we know that we just get cheated with these breeds because they don't live as long as those little yappity um, chihuahuas and the small breeds. Um, longevity is the smaller the creature, they usually, at least in the dog world, the, usually they last longer and they live longer than the giant breeds. Um, the number one thing I think of when we have a sudden death in a giant breed dog without any other kind of signs leading up, but the first thing I would look at would be the heart um, because that's going to be my first um, thought of a very sudden type passing um, but you know there, there certainly could be other things along that along in there as far as other types of organ dysfunction or even a toxicity but I'd have to say number one I, I would think that um, he could have had some kind of abnormal rhythm or some underlying heart issue that uh, presented itself um, but, but like without the, having... what, happened John, what happened to John Ritter remember John Ritter the he died really quick from his aorta exploding do you think it was something like that or well, that would be a little unusual for a dog, but um, if we're talking about um, heart rhythms, kind of like people who have sudden cardiac arrest, you know, a guy who's out skiing in the fittest part of his life, and there's an abnormal rhythm that the heart can throw. Um, so that might be the case. Um, could be actually some kind of organic heart disease, so something else structurally that was wrong. And and I'm totally speculating, because really the only way we could know is if we had an autopsy done, or what we call a necropsy in um, animals. And that's, you know, really where we do an examination, uh, and we and we look to see internally what uh, potential changes might have happened. But that would be at least my, my first thought for you. And um, I guess the good thing is that he didn't suffer. It sounds like he went very quickly. And uh, you were nearby, well, so two, you think he had a, a full life for the most part. And number two, I you don't think I really did anything wrong. I tried my best to, and he was a very happy dog. Yeah, no, I you know I think you 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 did get unfortunately the shorter end of the giant breed longevity. Um, so I don't think you did anything wrong. Um, you know, and some people with great Danes and the large breeds at that age, you know, we we do feel fortunate. Um, we'd love to s- squeak out a couple more years, um, but I think really you know. I would not feel bad. Um, I would take comfort that he was with you and that you did provide very well for him. That's a long life for the breed there. It's ironic that the yappy ones live longer, isn't it? Yeah, something about the orneriness, I think, with the little ones. uh, You know, they they just have that that little feistiness that they uh, seem to have... uh, little more lease on life, I guess. <laughs> it's sort of the same around here. one 405 8405 We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Critter Cops. There's a new way to find lost pets, and it's becoming very popular all over the USA. It's Critter Cops. You'll get huge media blasts to thousands of people about your lost pet, and they also offer specialized services for stolen pets. 
Try the new way to find lost pets and increase your chances of a reunion. Visit CritterCops.net. And thanks, Critter Cops, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. That's my dog, Annie. She's healthy now, but recently she broke her leg and I had to rush her to the vet. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. They covered her surgery and reimbursed the claim quickly. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses that you can personalize to fit your budget. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a free quote. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Visit EmbracePetInsurance.com for coverage details. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Um, have you ever heard of clean meat? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have. You have? Yes. It's, it's okay. brand new, isn't it? It's like it's not really meat, is it? Right. Exactly. But when I, I thought clean meat, does that mean like no hormones or antibiotics? Uh, cleaner than that. There's a, a startup pet nutrition company that is going to be launching a line of clean meat treats for cats made from cultured mouse cells. So your cat would be able to eat mice. But but listen, you see, clean meat is produced. It's meat that is produced by in vitro cultivation of animal cells. So it doesn't come from slaughtered animals. It's a form of what they call cellular agriculture. So what is different about cellular agriculture or clean meat is that it offers the opportunity to efficiently produce protein food sources, for this case, for our pets, while reducing the environmental impact of raising and feeding all of those traditional food sources. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, isn't that like, is that like considered genetically modified food, though? Um, No, I wouldn't think so, Hal. And I'm saying that I'm not an expert by any means, but because they are taking it, most clean meat is taken from the cells of a fetal calf, a calf that is still in utero in a cow. And then they can grow it into other things, kind of like a stem cell thing. So that's what this is. So I don't think they're actually taking this from mice, because that would be weird, because they can grow this from the fetal calf cells. What makes it a mouse if it's from a cow? Because it will be, I guess, injected with something that is of like mice DNA. Wow. It's very weird to me. <laughs> yeah. It, when I, I really, I had, I, I'm actually sitting there Googling what is clean meat, you know, like the dummies version of clean meat? Because I, I had heard of it before, but this was leading me to believe that it's it's way beyond what I thought it was. And it really is. Sounds like science fiction. It does. It does. I, I thought of a Star Trek episode or something. Of course, now, <laughs> what is newer than Star Trek? It's what? Um, uh, the new Twilight Zone. There you go. <laughs> I need to watch more TV. If you ever if you ever plan to rob a store, don't take your dog along. Police in Wisconsin say a woman, her adult son, who was in his 20s, and their dog, the woman's dog, actually, his name was Bo, caused quite a scene at this Walmart in Wisconsin. It was earlier this month. Police responded to the store for reports of a theft being, you know, conducted by these people. And when they arrived... Officers found 46-year-old Lisa Smith, the mom in this story, screaming in the entryway to the store. She was trying to catch Bo, the dog, who was not on a leash. 
and she's going in for a robbery. So while the mother was in the front of the store trying to catch Bo, the unleashed dog, her 25-year-old son was allegedly naked and exposing himself to customers in the clothing section of the store. Because you know how Walmarts are always divided up into areas. Only Walmart. (laughs) Right. So Bo, the the dog, is is on the loose. He grabs a, a box of... Uh, cornbread muffin mix and attempts to flee the store they did catch him but it's really sad I, i'm you know the humans of course were caught they go to jail but Bo is taken to the humane society wow. i hope he finds a good home a california state assembly committee is now considering a bill that will ban the declawing of cats no big news there but this is going to be the first step for statewide approval and adding, of course, for more momentum toward federal laws against declawing. Cat lovers, mark your calendar. April 19th is National Cat Lady Day. Well, of course, we're already past that. Yeah, yeah that already your happened. Your chance to we, celebrate. Yeah. We so missed it. So you're not it. celebrating this year. Right. But next year, you have to celebrate National Cat Lady Day. What This I, first came about in, in uh, I think it was 2017, at the CatCon convention in Los Angeles is where it originated. They were trying to dispel that myth that cat ladies are dowdy spinsters. But, Hal, I'm wondering, it's National Cat Lady Day. Yeah, cat so when's Cat Men Day? day? What's, I, <laughs> I think it should be, cat, wouldn't Cat Gentleman? I mean, it sounds more butlerish. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I'm hoping that uh, Cat Gentleman Day is still yet to come, right? You're going to tell me that, right? Because I know that's going to be a big I'm hoping it because, well, right, let's just start are, it. Let's just pick a date and let's just make it ourselves. I'm all over it. it. Yeah, Me too. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. Where's my cat? I miss my cat. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Did you teach your dog to dance like that? She's a natural. She really is. She does some very strange tricks. She's got some good moves. She does have good moves. She does. (laughs) Okay, so I must have first of all apologized. It was about three weeks ago. Lori, you did a story about uh, robotic dogs. Yeah, and how successful they are. Yeah, and I I scoffed at that. I I couldn't. I didn't understand the connection (laughs) that anybody would make with uh, an inanimate object. And then, yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry now. I apologize for that now because I see that I was way wrong. And I must remind you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a wealth of misinformation. (laughs) That's that's actually on my business card. It says says, Hal, a wealth of misinformation. So I have learned since Googling, and thank God we can do that in this day and age. That these robotic dogs are actually pretty helpful for those that have Alzheimer's or dementia. They play a very important a role. A really important role. Yes. And so we have on the phone with us Tom Stevens. He is the CEO and co-founder of TomBot. And uh, they produce the affordable robotic companion animals for seniors. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I'm looking right now at a picture of... Uh, Jenny. Is, is, what is it? Jenny, Jenny the dog? Jenny. Jenny the dog, which is a very real, lifelike-looking golden dog. Yeah, it looks like a golden retriever, yellow lab. And I understand the invention of this dog came from necessity. Tell us a little bit about it, will you? 
I'd be happy to. My mother was diagnosed in 2011 with Alzheimer's, and of the many bad days we had early on, by far the worst was when I had to take away her dog. She had a beautiful two-year-old golden doodle, uh, ordinarily uh, lovely disposition, that she had managed to train to be aggressive towards her caregiver. Uh, Her caregiver, who my mother did not like very much, When she would enter the room, the dog would growl. My mom laughed and petted the dog, reinforcing the behavior. Uh And it wasn't very long before we had a real problem on our hands. Fortunately, we were able to find a new home for the dog uh, with some close family friends. But my mother was devastated. Sure. This is her best bud. That's been taken away. Absolutely. Uh, I I grew up in a house full of animals, and and my mother was really the impetus behind that. She always uh, treasured animals, and and particularly dogs. Uh, And this was her her last animal and her primary uh, companion there at home, and removing that was was almost like taking off a leg. What was your epiphany? I, I started looking around at that time for substitutes for live animal companions and didn't find anything that I liked that was either uh, affordable or, or something that my mother would respond to. So I started experimenting with robots and found that, that she, uh, she responded quite readily to them. I went on to learn more about her disease and the circumstances and found that her circumstances weren't unique. Being Alzheimer's. Uh, Alzheimer's and not able to safely or practically care for a live animal. And did you think a robot would be a good substitute? Well, my background is in in high tech. I've been in the computer world for about 35 years. And so I was curious as to whether technology might be able to play a role. And in my research, I'd come across some of the more expensive uh, robots that you mentioned during the intro uh, and and read the science and found that they actually had uh, provided quite a bit of relief uh, from the symptoms associated with dementia. But the fact was, it was just they were simply too expensive. And so mm-hmm. I thought that, well, maybe a more affordable version might make some sense. So what kind of, um, like, uh, actions do, do the Tombots do that um, still give the sensation or the idea that it's a pet? Are they vocalizing? Do they move? What, what all do they do? Um, all of the above. So the first thing that we learned is that anything on the ground is an extreme tripping hazard for a senior with dementia. Many stories of, of seniors tripping and falling, oftentimes over their own pet. And so we learned that if we were going to be effective here and, and provide something that was safe for use, it needed to be a lap dog and not a dog that could walk around. And so we looked at the animations, uh, the movements, the behaviors associated with live lap animals and tried to emulate those in in Jenny, which is our fifth generation prototype. So that Jenny is designed to lay comfortably on the lap of the senior or on a chair or table close by anywhere that they can remain in close physical contact. And the animations include eyes, ears, eyebrows, mouth, uh, the neck, uh, and tail uh, capabilities. And all, Jenny has 16 servo motors in her, seven alone in her neck. And that's what gives Jenny the ability to not only have significant range of movement, 
but have those fine motor movements that are so common to a living animal. There's a great story behind the creation of it. It includes Jim Henson's puppets. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what that's all about. Stick around. It's Animal Radio. Here's today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The new 2020 Hyundai Sonata enhances design, efficiency, power, performance, and safety through the adoption of multi-load path structure, hot stamping, and super-high tensile steel plate. Fayez Rahman, a VP at Hyundai, says starting with the new Sonata, Hyundai will gradually expand its use of the new platform in order to provide joy of driving and comfort to their customers. To see the new Sonata, go to ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. (laughs) If it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and our Tombots. We are with Tom Stevens. He's the inventor of a robot dog or a robot puppy that is primarily used for seniors, those suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's, and created by necessity and by design. You went to Jim Henson's crew, and for those of you that don't know, Jim Henson, creator of the Muppets and the very lifelike-looking puppets, you went over there to ask them for help in designing this puppy. What was their reaction? Um, well, it was interesting. The two leaders of uh, – two creative heads there, the gentleman who's the head of uh, – the creative director and, the, and, and another gentleman who is the head of animatronics – both had fathers at that time who were suffering from dementia. And so they had a very strong personal connection to our mission and felt that this was something that was really appropriate for for them to work on. Uh, In all, we've worked with over 700 seniors with dementia uh, and learned, first of all, that they preferred animated objects over non-animated objects, so things that moved. Um, Secondly, they preferred realistic appearance over toy-like or cartoon-like or abstract appearance. Uh, But thirdly, and most importantly, they preferred objects that behaved realistically. And we didn't know how to do that. So we went looking in the animatronics world, knowing that uh, being here in Hollywood, that was convenient for us. And we found the Jim Henson folks, and where we began was simply experimenting with how to replicate the internal anatomy of an actual dog. And so went through multiple rounds of of trials to come up with something that we really liked. Uh, And then we ultimately tested that with the seniors to get their response. I'm curious, did you test this on your mother, and what was her reaction to it? Absolutely. Uh, my mother was, uh, she passed away this last October, I'm but sorry. for years uh, we were working together and it was what she wanted to talk about. Um, Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia are very, very difficult on family members. Uh, so many difficult decisions uh, you have to make that are frustrating from a child's perspective, taking over for a parent was uh, emotionally very difficult. But the robot gave us a, a, a point of commonality where we could come together and work together. And so it was what my mom wanted to talk about first 
when I saw her. She said, how are the robots coming? Do you have the next one for me? She, but she knew it was a robot, right? She did. There was an ethical concern that we had from the very get-go that we, we didn't want to trick anybody. And it turns out that people with dementia, whether it's mild or moderate uh, dementia, they know that it's a robot and actually prefer that it's a robot over a live animal. Um, for severe dementia, they may or may not be able to distinguish between a live animal and the robot. But up until that point, uh, they are able to distinguish. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So where are we in production now? Can we actually buy these? Uh, we just finished a pre-order campaign on Kickstarter, and we're, we're now active in manufacturing. However, first customer shipments will not be until May of 2020. So it's still a little ways before we get them in the customers' hands. But we were accepting pre-orders on Kickstarter. Um, we're currently in between pre-order campaigns, but we'll probably relaunch that in the next month or two. What kind of reaction did you get from it? Uh, overwhelming, not only from spouses or children of people with dementia, but also in a number of other uh, use cases. Um, so we have quite a few that were pre-ordered for children with autism, um, adults buying them for themselves that have major depressive disorder or PTSD. We're working with the nation's largest chain of hospitals for inpatient use in places where live therapy animals are not typically allowed to visit, such as the emergency room or an ICU. Tom, you might have already answered my question, um, but there's probably more from what it sounds like. Um, so many companies these days, they start out and they have um, you know, goals of giving back. That's part of the company mission. Sounds like you're going to do that too? It, it, first of all, this is a mission-based company. I had the good fortune of selling uh, my company here a few years ago and thought I was retired. That was the same year that my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and it really gave me a focus and, and meaning and purpose for how I would spend the next several years. So it's so important for us to be able to make a difference, and our products actually provide a medical benefit. So it's not an entertainment device. It's not something that you would buy as opposed to your next uh, Sony PlayStation it really is meant to provide uh, someone with the ability to self-soothe through anxiety and loneliness, depression, where they can't safely or practically own a live animal. Uh, Tom, what's a website if people want to learn more? It's www.tombot, T is in Tom, O-M, B is in boy, O-T, dot com. And you can also follow us on social media. We have Facebook and Instagram pages, and we'd love to uh, communicate what we're up to to anyone who's more interested. And we'll put all those links over at animalradio.pet. Tom, thank you so much for what you're doing, and thanks for visiting with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Tom Stevens, he's the CEO and co-founder of TomBot, the new affordable robotic companion animal for seniors and uh, all kinds of people. Coming out in 2020, all the details over at the website. We'll put, again, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Well, it is time for us to get on out of here. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you need your fix, go to the website or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.